0: Welcome to the Epiphany Movement podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Drake Nelson and is a continuation of the series, From Weeping to Worship. turkey hunting all the time, and turkey season is about to be here. I don't know if you know that or not, but I am extremely pumped. Not because I have somewhere to turkey hunt, but because I have some turkeys behind my house, and I go up there and yell at them. Now, I don't even call because I'm really not the greatest turkey caller anyways. I just kind of go, ah! and they just gobble at it, and it's awesome and it's amazing. And so I'm really ready for turkey season. I can remember when I was a child, uh, one specific morning, beautiful morning, the fog's kind of coming up from the crisp ground, and right across our yard from our house is this beautiful pine grove. And so me and my father, we are on our way to go get this turkey goblin because in the woods a piece it's gobbling, like every single cock every single every single time we call it's goblin and i remember that as my dad was walking here i would just follow his footsteps literally i would be like And I was following him everywhere he'd go. And he never knew after all the years that we turkey hunted, because I did this every single time that we turkey hunted, all the years that we turkey hunted, he never knew that I would follow in his footsteps. And even today, this is funny, we went to Texas a little, like probably last year, I believe, and I found myself, he was calling, I found myself walking behind him, and all those many years later, I was still just walking in his footsteps, and it was so cool. But I say that to say, we will follow in our parents' footsteps in some way or the other. And today, I want to talk about relationships that you have with your friends and with your family and just in general, maybe even with a girlfriend, boyfriend. And I remember... I love Golden State Warriors, and I love Mississippi State. My dad played for, well, he tried out for the Mississippi State baseball team. He didn't make it, but he still loves Mississippi State. And I love the Golden State Warriors. And I can remember about three years ago, Golden State was in the finals, it was the Western Conference Finals, and they played the Houston Rockets in Game 6. And it was such a nail-biter. But the same night, MSU was playing LSU in the SEC Championship. And both games came down to the wire. And I am sitting on the edge of my seat just like... What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Please go to St. win. Please, Elijah McNamee. That's what I call him. I call him the prophet, but his name was like Jake Mangum and Elijah McNamee. I just love them people so much. And so I was like, oh, my goodness, please win, please win. And both my teams lost, and I was I was depressed. I didn't speak. This is how bad I was depressed. I have a place when I'm emotionally distraught right outside my house. I have a pond in front of my house. I have a place that I go out and I uh, I just take a walk around my pond. And I'm just get like that. And I slept there that night. True story. Under the stars, by the way. I slept there. I was so sad. But their time of redemption came. About a week later, Golden State was playing in the finals, the NBA finals. And Mississippi State was playing their first game in the Super Regional against Vanderbilt. And guess what? Both games were again nail-biting. But this time, my team came through on top and they won. And I was like running around in my Golden State Warriors shirt sure on ringing a cowbell. I was so excited. I was like, woo, yes, let's go, baby. I get so hyped. But why? Because what we love has the extent and the potential to bring us the most heartache with failure, but yet the most acceptance and excitement with success. And so it is in our lives. What we love has the potential to hurt you a lot, but also to heal you exponentially. And with our families and in our lives and in relationships, to get hurt by a relationship is life. A girlfriend, boyfriend, a father, a mother, a brother, a sister is life. But I want to talk about, just for a moment, broken families. Because we all have them we all have them. And so how do we manage walking after our own parents footsteps but yet we want to go be our own person? How do we manage the two the two, okay? Now I have some trees up here, and let me explain what these trees mean real quick. In this tree, I have a lot of things. This represents, all throughout the night, your family tree, okay? So all throughout the night, these are going to be your family tree. Now, this one has a lot of things in the family tree. For example, we have dow. We have anger. We have biases. We have financial instability. We have addiction. We have sexual tendencies. We have a nurture and a nature. We have laziness. We have other tendencies. We have mental illness. We have, what is that over there? What does that say? Blessings. Okay, so yeah, good things can be in our family tree as well. Many good things are. But in our family tree, we have some things that we like, some things that we don't like, but yet, I, what I want you to know today is that if this is your family tree and your mother or your father, okay, let me explain it like this. You have your parents' DNA. Ashton, you have Miss Demi and Mr. Bryan's DNA. More Demis than Mr. Bryan's. But you have your parents' DNA. Bottom line, you at conception, you got handed a DNA and life unfolded accordingly. Okay? So don't overlook that. What does that mean? That, yeah, maybe your parents do struggle with anger, and more more than likely, if your parents struggle with anger, that might be something that you're gonna struggle with too. I was playing at a junior college tennis tournament my sophomore year in high school missing overhead for matt's point but it was fine because we were up a set and a break in the second set so it was good we were still going to win it was all going to be great until we didn't win and i went psycho on some tennis rackets do y'all know what living means living means you can't control you just don't even know what you're doing i went to my bag i really don't remember this but the, all I can remember is when I come to my senses, I look around the tennis court, there's fiberglass everywhere. And I look in a garbage can, and it's my racket in two. And then about four other rackets laying on the ground. It was such an event that years later, walking through Walmart, an elder gentleman came up to me and said, you're that young man from Itawamba that smashed the tennis rackets. and yeah, I'm not proud of it. It took me all summer to save up just to buy another tennis racket. And he said, that was awesome. And I was like, really? Okay, yeah, cool. That was, wasn't it? But yeah, I, was, I shouldn't have done it. It's fine. Whatever. So why do I say that? My dad calls me on the phone a little while after it happened, probably about 30 minutes after I just went Gronk on tennis racket. So, instead of spiking football, I was all spiking $200 rackets. And he says, Drake. I heard what happened, son. What happened? And I said, I don't don't know. I just snapped. He said, I understand. I struggle with anger. My dad's father struggled with anger. My dad struggled with anger. His father struggled with anger. We have a long line of family history that say we're a bunch of hotheads. And my dad wasn't trying to, con- and he finished the conversation with, but what you did today is never acceptable. So I did get in trouble. But I think he wasn't trying to condemn me in that moment. He was trying to teach me the power of genetics. Even my mom, who, as I walked out, she came to watch me that day. My father was working, and so he, he just couldn't make it. And my, my mom went. you are your father's son. Even then, even my mom was trying to teach me the power of genetics. So maybe let's get back to this. Maybe you do have some laziness in your DNA or some mental illness in your DNA or maybe you have some doubt in your DNA, doubt about yourself or doubt of your faith or of your god. Maybe you have uh, you're not the brightest person in your DNA. Maybe you have some biases towards in the way that you were grew up, the nurture in which you were raised and let me side to here typically our nature and our nurture form to us in two ways are you ready nurture is the way you were brought up we think I will never ever in a thousand years raise my parents how they raised me I'll never do it and then we do it anyways or We have the opposite tendency, and we think, I would be just blessed if I could be the type of father or mother that my parents was to me. I'll never be half the parent that they were. And we lean in one or two ways. Luckily for me, I lean the latter way. But either way, the way that we were raised has a huge role in your life and in my life. But not only do we have this family tree, I want to talk about some other types of families. very first type of family that I have i have they're all in paper. The very first type of family that we have is the triune family, the triune family. and like I said, this is going to represent family trees all night. so let me uh move this and then yeah, let's see. triune family this is a family of three typically now typically it's a mother a father and a a child baby and this has a lot of good things the father and mother can focus on the child more. There's not so much fighting for attention, at least that's true in the child's standpoint, not so much for the parents, because typically the parents are like, ah, I want, uh, they there." they're, but, you know, Financially, it's easier because you don't have to spread the love through so many children. You can give all that kind of to one. There's less hand me downs. We go on. But there are also some setbacks, too. Here's a big setback both parents put, spend so much time, not every time, but sometimes they spend so much energy into investing in the child that they forget. Each other. And to that, I offer this advice. Raising your children is takes so many sacrifices. But get this, your marriage should never be one of them. Okay? But there's also the tried family. The tried family. What does that mean? This family is it means how it sounds. We tried to have babies. We've tried everything that we can do. We've tried in vitro. We've tried donors. We've tried for years we've tried, but yet no child. It's just us. And this, what this can do is this can cause guilt and shame to flood the the gates, if you will, of a spouse's mind. Now, there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt says this. I did something bad. Guilt, byproduct of sin. Simple as that. It can be a byproduct of a lot of other things. Guilt says, I did something bad. Here's what shame says. Shame says, I am bad. And shame has no place in the life of a believer. Conviction, guilt. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation, by the way. There's the, the death and the dead weight families. They may sound similar, and perhaps you may think that they are, but these families are totally different. They are not similar at all. Dead weight. This is really hard. Not easy. But yet yeah, is a family tree ever easy. No. Okay. There we go. The death and the deadweight families. Deadweight families is this. You have a family member who contributes nothing. They do nothing. All they do in the family is this right here. Tear down. That's all that they do. They are lazy, a couch potato, they don't put any money into the bank account. The only thing they take out is money from the bank account and chips out of the potato bag. Dead weight. Good. For nothing. Only hurts the family. Always gossiping about the family has nothing good to say, only words that bring you down. Deadweight families, a deadweight family member. But there's also the death family. Now, in essence, you may think we all come from death families because everybody has lost somebody. That may be true, but when I say death families, I mean a family that has specifically lost a close relative, a close relative. Has anybody, does anybody come from a death family? Lost a close relative? Okay, good. You're blessed, really. But you will one day. You'll come from a death family one day. How to lead your family through that, I don't know. Like I said, we are not—we were not a rich family growing up whatsoever. But I can remember a conversation I had. My father lost both of his brothers in car wrecks, different car wrecks, and they were about two years apart. We were outside, bobbing in the hot tub one Saturday night, and my father looks across the little the water there, and he says, "Drake." And he's never opened up about his brothers before to me, and he says, "Drake, I want to tell you something. When my parents." I mean, when my brothers died, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was numb. I moved on with life because I knew I had to. I had no other option but to move on with life. But I was hurt, and I was broken. But I never knew to the extent that it hurt my parents. I never knew the extent that it hurt my parents. I thought I had it bad, but they had it even worse. And I didn't realize it till I became a parent. could only imagine what my mother and my father went through, losing their two sons. And I was broken as well. I can't offer any advice to you. I really... I want to offer you two books. Through the Eyes of a Lion by Levi-Alesko. Write this down if you want to. Because I've read them both and they help me so much. Through the Eyes of a Lion by Levi-Alesko and The Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis. Next type of, next type of family is the divorce family. The divorce family. I think many of us, come from this. And I put this on the bottom for a reason because it's low hanging fruit. It's low hanging fruit. It's so simple to get a it's so simple to come from a divorced family. It really is. Children ping-ponging from house to house, never knowing what's going to come. The children think in this type of family, the children are like oh my goodness what, uh, what, what's going to happen? Where are we going now? Who am I going to live with this weekend? Who's going to buy me this present? What am I am, what, are mommy and daddy ever going to get back together? Are they ever going to be happy? And somehow in little LJ's mind when mommy and daddy sit LJ down and say this is has nothing to do with you. This is all our fault. That gets translated into little LJ's mind. This is all my fault. I am to blame and I'm the reason that my family tree is about to be broken. It's something inside of us thinks we are to blame and the divorce family is one of the most deadly circumstances. Why? Because Satan knows that if he can control and dismantle a family he can control and dismantle a generation speaking from the divorce family there's also this family the mixed family this one is the most confusing it's the most difficult i'm going to put it right here by going to put it right here by divorce they are so similar the mixed family this family is the most difficult because sometimes it is such a blessing it really is It's such a blessing you have siblings they're not your full sibling maybe they are half-sibling, maybe they're just step, Maybe, but you have a stepfather maybe come in or a stepmother come in, or you have one of the other, a family is a full family, a full family, they get divorced or death comes in, something, and now they are bonded together, make one family, but it's mixed. Now sometimes that is such a blessing, but other times it's the biggest curse that could come into a family because you tend to think things like, if my father would have only married someone else, if it was just me and my dad, or if it was just me and my mom, if she would have never married him and I didn't have to put up with these other five kids that are in my life right now, I don't even know, I can't have any space to myself, any time to myself. And it seems like my father or my mother doesn't even care about me. The only person that cares about me is me because if they cared about me, it would have just been me and them. It would have just been me and my mom or me and my dad. But now they married somewhere else and they didn't even ask for my permission to do so and so sometimes mixed families can be amazing but sometimes they can be bad and that's why this one is so there's the single parent home kind of see that a little there's a single parent home Kids tend to think, "When's mommy getting paid? Is mommy getting paid? When's, when's, when's dad's check coming in? When is, when is the child support check coming in? Is mommy going to remarry? Is she ever going to find somebody? Uh, am I going to have a f- mother or a father or a step?" is she gonna get a job where's the money gonna come and with a single parent home especially if the family's big it's so difficult to make it on one income so what happens is money shoots straight up to the top of a priority list amen and to which we think, where's it gonna come from? I don't know. And so our whole life is based off of what? It's based off of budgeting. It's based off of unanswered questions. What is, 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 when, 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 how, how, how? Me, the parents are just trying to hold their self above water mentally. How? I, I'm trying my best. I, I'm doing my best, but I don't have all the answers, too, children. There's the adopted family story. Adopted meaning go from one family to another. This adopted family story, the adopted child tends to struggle with acceptance versus discovering the truth in themselves because they want to know their true family but they also want to feel accepted by their now family and the parents struggle with should I let them go out and, and, and I know this could potentially hurt them. I know their father or their real mother or their real parents could potentially cause them much heartache versus I'm not going to allow them. I'm not even going to allow them to go because I don't want to get hurt and I'm going to protect them. So it's kind of, do you see that? Do you see that where Bud's head? Should I, should I let them go? And the children are just thinking, I, I want to know where I come from. I want to know me. I, I, I want to feel accepted and loved. There's the 25 years family. I uh drew a picture with this one. My artist. You can thank me later. Be great. Don't know. What do you think, Brady? Right here? Got a stick? Yeah. Twenty-five years family. This is the family that has been together for typically twenty five years. Name kinda suggests. Now why do I even bring this family up? This is a family of four or more, so it's not—it's different than the triune family. The triune family can be a 25-year family, but they're different. This is a family typically of multiple children, both parents still alive. Now, what—and like I said, adopted family, mixed family, even divorce family—they can all be this family and kind of come in and and, and kind of be. Uh, a multitude of it, but a 25 years fa- 25 year family. I say that because if a couple and if a family can make it up to 25 years, they're more than likely going to make it the rest of the way. Because up until about the 10th year anniversary, until the 25 year anniversary, here's what's going to happen: a couple things are going to happen. Their parents are going to get sick and start dying. Your like your grandparents, they're going to st- get sick and start dying. That's going to cause stress on a relationship. Money is going to be tighter than it ever has been. I got cars to pay for. I got a teenager, two teenagers, three teenagers. I got a college I got to save for. Money's going to be tight. The father and the son typically go through an alpha male syndrome stage during these 25 years from about the time that they hit about 15 to the time that they get out of the house and even out of college. They're going to go through this alpha male syndrome stage to where they think, my father's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. father's going to think, my son's a punk. I never knew I'd raise such a punk. Gosh. And they're going to see, they're going to go at it. Not only, not only because the way you're smiling, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Not only because they are going at each other mentally, but it's going to be they're going at each other it's going to be what I want. The father says, no, it's going to be what I want. Son says, alpha male. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to do what I want. Versus, oh, I need to let them grow up and become their own partner. 25 years family. If you can get to the other side of the 25 years, more than likely you will. Not for sure. Not every time. But more than likely. You'll endure the test of time. Now, we all... Come from one of these families, but most of us have a smorgasbord of a few. We really do. We can say, Yeah, um, I'm this one and I'm, and I'm this one. And um, yeah, so that's me. And yeah, good family tree. Others of us come to this tree and they say, My mom struggled with this, uh, grandfather struggled with that, I struggle with th- I can see, I can struggle. But here's what I want to say in your family, your nature and your nurture do play a role in who you are and who are you becoming. But I want to write. It's not. I want to write a brand new story today. It's not. You know, I spit some spit in a in a little thingy, a container. And I sent it all to wherever, wherever. And I got my test results back, and I had a little Western civilization, a little Eastern. I had some Greek and some Sicilian, and I had a little bit of Eastern. I just didn't even know what all I had. It's not really about a 23 and me because you have a brand new family tree and the brand new family tree is called the family tree of Jesus Christ where he died on a cross and it's not a 23 and me, it's just 3 and me and it is never a little drop of spit in the little container it is a drop of blood that was shed by your Savior and my Savior and our Father that's Says, yeah, you have a messed up family. Yeah, you have a messed up tree. Yeah, you have a great family. or are a great tree. But you have some genetic tendencies that are pushing you away from me and who you want to be. We can say, okay, that's great. But we have a brand new family tree that Jesus is over. And he's saying, hey, I want you to walk with me. It's just me, you, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit spirit and it's just us three in this fire right now you can make it through any and every broken family or broken situation that you will ever walk through the days of your life next thing I want to talk about so broken broken hearts breakups you say it either way you want Was that good? I hope y'all like that. I, I I I was really feeling that for a, for a minute there. Yeah. I I get myself in a motif. I just get like really excited. I don't know why I do that. That's why I didn't wear shoes. I knew I was gonna be pumped today, so I just said, you know what, I'll just move Michael Jackson on the stage. So, woo. Breakups are they 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 sting, don't they? They they just they're. I hate them. I've only had my heart truly broken once. And today, I still breathe in the consequences of that decision. (laughs) I really do. I have happily moved on with Kat, but still breathe in those. Now, when a breakup comes, it's, you know, we, we, Josh, we spend our whole life trying to find the one for marriage, and then at the end of a breakup, somebody says, I don't like you, you don't like me, it's not working out. And so we feel neglected, we feel rejected, we feel, honestly, we feel farther from the altar than, than we did before we even started the dating process. And when we have a heart broken, uh, there is no more normal life. Something that is so small, like missing the bus or getting left out of dodgeball or didn't get the joke or got left out of the joke or we missed that we failed the test or whatever, something very small and I knew on an already broken soul can become an unbearable weight. And when we have a broken heart, we tend to think something small happens. The world is against me! Oh, God, please help! Right? Isn't that we think the world is going to end? A lot of times. Is it? No. But do y'all ever... Like you go to sleep and you start dreaming and you you think you're over your ex or whatever and then you dream about them and say, so you know, I'm really not over them at all. Do y'all, has that ever happened to y'all? Or maybe it's just a random girl that that, that or a boy that you that, that that pops into your room? Even when we think we're over them, we're really not. Creep back into our life. Are y'all familiar? I, I don't know if you know this or not. There's this phenomenon in dating called the five-year phenomenon. And with this, what happens is, and I just want to speak just some dating advice. This is free dating advice. I know you really need it right here, Kayla and Hannah. Hannah and Kayla, y'all, this is for y'all. Mary Grace got the whole game on fleek. She's all right. But for y'all, here we go. So in the dating relationship game, just to let y'all know, A, Never say, God told me to break up with you, or I will kick you in the face. If, if, if somebody comes up and tells me that one of you say, well, God told me to break up with you, I will hunt you down and kick you in the throat, okay? Just want you to know that. But anyway, back to, there's this phenomenon that happens where a guy and a girl, they start dating, and then over the lapse of time, they turn around and look, and they say, "Oh, Kayla, you changed. Hannah, you changed. Really, they haven't changed at all. What has happened is they have put a projection up, and they have shown you what they want you to see. And over time, their projection starts to fade. The jig will be up. Or this has happened. This this can happen as well. N- they're not putting a projection up. You're putting a projection up, and you're overlooking all their flaws. You're seeing who you want to see in them. And after some time passes, we say, You've changed. But often, very often, they have not changed a bit. Our projection of them has crumbled. And we find out who they really are. Or they find out who we really are. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just something that happens. And so what happens? We break up. Breakups, No fun. I'm not going to speak on this for a long time. This is broken communication, okay? Broken communication. We forget how to communicate with friends, family. Last thing I want to talk about is this. Broken trust. Broken trust. Here, I majored in communications at Mississippi College, and so I know you're supposed to say the left hook for the end, but I want to give it to you here because I think it's powerful. Josh, I know I'm going to get you might circle this room right here just running because this is going to be so powerful so it's good if you do that i'll probably follow you around so it'll be cool here's this we are not called to trust again that is impossible Trust is unlike, it's not a one-liner, I'm sorry, Josh. Trust is unlike forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice. We can cho- Forgiveness is a choice. I can never forgive them. They have done, I can never forgive my parents for what they have done to me. Yes, you can. It's a choice. You choose to forgive. It's a hard choice. I don't want to make it a lot of times, but it's a choice nonetheless. Trust is not a choice. Hear me, Chantel. You can't trust somebody. You can't trust somebody that you don't trust, can you? You just can't. You, it's not a choice. It is a reality of the relationship at hand. Here it is. Here's my run line. Are you ready? Trust is a reality of the relationship at hand. It really is. It really is. And we are not called to trust anybody. We are not this hurt us, that's come against us, we're not called to trust them again. Here's what we are called to do. We are called to give them an opportunity to earn back their trust. Woo! I told you I was going to bust out with you. I'm just going to go half a room. I'll go half a room, you go whole room, we'll be at the same halfway. time. I went halfway. I, I'm. No, I'm good. I'm good. Here we go. Now, trust I lost my train of thought, Ash, and said, you really just followed him around the room. I really did. We're going half Pentecostal in here, so Penabaptist, I guess, you know, it's it's, it's good. It's, I, I need to lose weight anyway, so I've been dieting, drinking nothing but water. Can you tell, Connor, uh, do I look skinnier? No, I don't. I look fatter, don't I? Thank you. You just burned my whole appetite. I'm not, I, I have boiled shrimp at the house. I'm not going to eat any. Boiled. How did I say say boiled? I meant boiled. I, I'm not going to eat any. Just thanks to you, Connor. Thank you. Mr. Metabolism on fleek, okay? Trust, trust is very difficult, isn't it? Trust is so hard. Who do we give our trust to? How do we trust again? Look at the story of Joseph. If you think that you have trust issues, Joseph had more trust issues. Trust issue number one, uh, his family threw him in a pit. Trust issue one, two, three, right there. Trust issue four. Family didn't believe in his dreams. Trust issue five. He finally told old when he was in the prison. He he told the cupbearer, don't forget me when you get to the when you get to the Egyptian palace. He was forgotten about. Trust issue number five. Trust issue number six. He was lied about by Potiphar. Trust issue number seven, eight, nine, ten. We hear all this dude's life about how he always was having, even, get this, even when he finally was in the palace, he had his brothers come up to him, and he said, I forgive you. They were. They. They didn't even believe Joseph. They thought, you're about to kill us. Let's go. And they ran away. Why? They didn't run away, but they were like scheming on the low. How? This. Who's about to kill us for what, what we did to him. So y'all watch it back. And that caused Joseph to cry. Joseph had trust issues. Anybody have trust issues? I have trust issues. I really do. I really do. I don't trust easily. But we're not called to. We are called to give people an opportunity to trust again. Last thing. I want to tell you about trust is how do you fix it once it's broken? Anybody has broken trust with somebody? How do you fix trust <clears throat> that's broken? Before I say this, you may think, hey Caleb, you may think, I can trust somebody anytime I want. Noah, I can trust you. Scotty, I can trust you. Connor, I can't trust you because you call me fat, but I can trust everybody else. I can trust you all. Now, he, get, you can show trust without actually trusting. You can. You can show trust. Okay, I trust you to weed in my yard. Without you, they're going to screw everything up. Without actually trusting. So what are we called to do when somebody wrecks our life? My little, well, I better not tell that story. <laughs> Looked right at Marley and she smiled. Well, I'll tell her. Totally different story, and I'll be great. I know this girl who's not Marty Sue Nelson, right? She's not. She's really not, okay? And she's looking down. You're talking about me. I'm really not, honestly. So I know this girl had trust issues, crying one day. I walk in, say, hey, what's up? What's wrong? Are you okay? No, my friends talked about me today. I told them something secret, and they blabbed to the whole class about it. Blah, blah, it was terrible. Looked at me and said, Drake, what do I do? Now, I gave them this example, and because I read it, thought it sounded smart, so I repeated it. Trust is like a jar of marbles. Every time somebody does something, to show you trust, I'll give you an example. Brady, every single time I see Brady, he always has a smile and he always opens the door. He'll greet me every time that, that every time that I, I see him. Ty, I don't think he's ever done anything like against like behind my back. I, in our 23 years that I am, I think you're like 14 or 15. In all those years, he's never done anything behind my back until now because I I, I I joked on him, okay? Except he wears my shorts sometimes, but that's fine. So I trust him because over, over the long hark of time, he has gotten some marbles out into my jar, and he said, I'm going to deposit three marbles. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to tell Kayla a secret. And guess what? Kayla's not going to tell my secret. Cat, If you tell Kat something, it's never going to get out of Cat's mouth, ever. And it kind of makes me mad because she'll be texting somebody, what are you talking about? Sometimes it'll be you people. None of your business. If they wanted to text you, they'd text you, but they're not texting you, they're texting me, so don't worry about it. I'm like, golly, jeez. cat. so every time, Kat just deposits some marbles. Cat's like never, she's never just got the jar of marbles and poured them out. She's always putting marbles in. So when people do things to earn your trust, Noah, Scott, Mary Grace, when, pe- when, when they do things to earn your trust, they start filling up the jar of marbles. You start to trust them. And when they do something that takes away from your trust, guess what happens? Sometimes it's really bad, and they all fall out. Sometimes it's not maybe three or four of them go. But trust isn't given in an instant, okay? Little Ty, baby, has filled it up. I trust Ty. Marty Sue, she's filled it up. I trust Marley. Gunner, he's starting to fill it up because he asked me to be his mentor. I like that. That's cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Something like that, right? It's a mentor, is that what you call it? A job shadow, job shadow. He asked me to job shadow. So, yeah, it's cool. But we can't just magically say, you dumped them all out. I'm going to trust you again. That's not how trust works, all right? You're not called to trust. You are called to forgive. You're called to give them an opportunity to earn back your trust.